The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Good morning, everyone. I'd also like to welcome you. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, My name is Trevor. I'm part of the staff here. And today is a little bit of a uh, monumental occasion for me. Uh, Coming up in September will be my 10-year anniversary of serving at this church, which feels like forever. Thank you. Appreciate it. Started in 2005, and it's easy to remember because that's the first time the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl. That's how I remember it. It's like a painful loss, right? And so in my 10 years of being here, I've done everything from children's ministry, youth ministry, worship ministry, speaking on Sundays, blah, 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 etc. But I've never spoke back-to-back weeks to adults so this is weird for me, like doing this two weeks in a row. So if you're sick of me, I apologize. You have me for another half an hour. And I noticed something, too, when I listened to my podcast from last week. I think it's something about getting older. I think for every year older you are, you, you preach for five more minutes. Like, that's the way that it works. Because I listened to it, and I was like, 50-something minutes last week? I'm like, who is this guy talking to me? Like, 50 minutes? I'm used to being the 20-minute guy, just like quick and done and get it over with. So I'm not going to go as long as last week. It'll only be around half an hour. So let's synchronize our watches together. (laughs) Well, again, I just want to welcome you. Whether you're here, uh, you're just a regular here, right? You've been here as long as I have been. You're a seasoned veteran, we like to say. I've been here for 10 years. or You've just been going to church your whole life. Or maybe, maybe this is just your first Sunday here at Canyon Ridge with us, and you're just kind of testing out the waters and seeing what church is like, seeing what it's like here at our church. We're, we want you to know that we're glad you're here. And our goal at Canyon Ridge, ultimately, is for all of us to develop a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ, as well as also developing a compassion for one another, for people in our community, for people inside the church. Our lives are made up with this personal relationship with Jesus, but that doesn't mean we don't have other relationships with each other along the way. We often call it our spiritual journey or our journey of faith. We're journeying toward God, but also there's these interpersonal connections with each other. It's a big thing in what we do here, too. And that's why it's so cool to have church all together during the summer in one service. You may be looking around the room and like, Look at all these new people. I've never seen them before, but they just go to the other service. So it's cool because it reminds me that church isn't an upside-down boat of a building that we find ourselves in every once in a while. Church isn't a building at all. Church is the people. Church is you. It's me. It's each other. It's all of us together. We are the church. And we call what happens on Sunday mornings here at Canyon Ridge our first step of our faith journey. Maybe you've seen it plastered on our wall in our cafe. It says, Explore Faith. That's kind of the very first thing we do at Canyon Ridge of our exploring faith together happens on Sunday morning. We often compare it to climbing Mount Rainier. Anyone who is anyone, as long as you pay the park and rec parking pass fee, you can drive up to Paradise, right? Park in the parking lot and begin the journey up Mount Rainier right at the trailhead. Some people were there last night. I think North was there shooting pictures last night. But anyone who's anyone can do that. And anyone who's anyone can come here to 84th and Waller as long as I get past Jim Maton, park in our parking lot, <laughs> come into service, and explore faith together. Hear a talk about faith, enjoy some worship. It's the step one of our faith journey. 
The next step in going deeper, we call it discovering community. That happens in groups. Just like it's unsafe to climb Mount Rainier by yourself, you need some friends who will help you not fall into the crevasses, right? Not trip and fall, tethered to one another, climbing the mountain together for safety. It's similar in our journey of faith. It's unsafe to climb alone, to explore a journey of faith by ourselves. So the main way that this happens at Canyon Ridge is through our community groups, which is what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Talk about community. I titled today's talk, The Value of Community-ing, because I know that the hip thing now is to like make verbs out of nouns. Have you heard this? Like, hey, bro, do you want a froyo? Right? You heard this? Bro, do you want a froyo? Not, do you want a froyo, but do you want to froyo? The act of froyo. Or maybe this one. You've heard, you know, let's get together and have a dialogue about it. Dialogue is a noun, it's not a verb. So you can't have a dialogue. You can dialogue. So, community ing. We're creating an action word. The act of community ing. Not commuting, right? You might have to commute to your community group. Not commenuting which is a word I learned means to destroy. That's the opposite of what we're talking about. Community-ing, coming together for a purpose. Now we're in the middle of our series, Small Verses with Big Impacts, and I told you a little bit about the reason that we're doing this series, one of which is it gives us an opportunity as pastors and preachers to speak on verses that we haven't got to preach on before, maybe because it didn't fit into the construction of some of our sermon series. So it's kind of a grab bag approach. We're just focusing on great verses that have great impacts, maybe great impact on ourselves, something that has encouraged us and inspired us and has framed our relationship with God. And so we want to share that with you. But also, the second reason we did this is because we want you to be inspired to open up your Bibles and find these small verses that God wants to impact you with, that God in his ultimate design has given us this amazing book with instructions and encouragement and hope and joy, and he's given it freely to each and every one of us. It's like that bumper video that guy with the weird voice was talking about. It's like a, a, a lost city filled with treasure, and we have the opportunity every day to go into it and pull out these nuggets and be encouraged and come face to face with our Creator who loves us so much. Our God who is infinitely knowable. He's infinitely knowable, meaning we could seek after him every day and learn something new about him, and tomorrow he will still be new and have something available to us. So small verses with big impacts, that's what we're going to talk about today. Today I, I want to point out a section of scripture that helps us realize that not only were we created for relationships with one another, we are better because of our relationships with one another. Our lives are enhanced through relationships. God designed us from the very beginning with Adam and Eve to be a social people. He knew that we would need relationships and the intimacy with one another to function in the way that he created us. Picture God as like the master chef, right? He's creating the world and creating humanity. One of the key ingredients is relationships. It's like trying to create scrambled eggs without using eggs. It doesn't work. Relationships need to be involved in our everyday life. Not just for us individually, but also for us as a church, as a church to be healthy. In order for the church to be healthy, there needs to be opportunities, an environment for relationships to be built, to be encouraged, to be sustained. And I've come to realize here, and many of you have realized as as well, that 
community groups allow us that platform to not just come on Sunday morning and sit in our seats and explore faith by ourselves, but to be refreshed, renewed, changed, and developed through the relationships with one another. Because deep down, everyone needs a place to belong, right? It's, it's in our core. We're longing for a place where we can be involved with other people. I like to say it like, it's a place that fits you as comfortably as your well-worn, get-home-from-work sweatpants. You know what I'm talking about? Is that just me? Or maybe it's like, as inviting and as welcoming as your worn-out leather recliner chair in front of your TV. Have any of you guys seen the, the show The Goldbergs? No, dead silence. <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell you about The Goldbergs then, so crumble up the page, throw it away. But we need, we need people that are inviting, welcoming. We need this environment of encouragement, something that's comfortable and welcoming and inviting. And I've found that even, with, even in today's technology world with iPhone whatevers and internet whatevers and Galaxy S whatever number we're on, 12, 11, something like that, even in this present day and age with the apps of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and Periscope and I'm not hip on any of the other ones, but with all this, Americans are still feeling lonely and isolated. I was reading in a, a report this week online, I took a screen grab of it, and uh, this is a report done by the National Science Foundation, which happens to be a great name, it's National Science Foundation, very official. But they're talking about the loneliness of American society, and they were polling 1,500 people, and they're speaking on behalf of America. So I understand, like, your sample size, there's billions of people, so to poll only 1,500, it's hard to say this is... America, but it's better than polling like 10 people, right? So they polled 1,500 people, and they found that one in four, a quarter of people, don't have someone that they could share their weaknesses and their triumphs with. And if you take away family members, that number doubles to 50% of America don't have someone to encourage them, someone who is there for them. It's pretty astounding. It's talking about this, the loneliness of our American society, and we're actually getting more lonely and more isolated rather than the other way around. In reality, if we lack significant relationships, it feels like part of us is missing, right? You ever felt that before? Like something wasn't there because deep down God has placed within each of us the wanting, the yearning to be involved and to belong. Now the Bible uses a lot of words to describe the church, the people of God. But the one that he uses most consistent is that of family. In the New Testament, a lot, we see words like brother and sister, people referring to one another. In a letter written by Paul the Apostle to the church of Ephesus, Paul writes, Now you are not foreigners or strangers any longer, but citizens together with God's holy people. You belong to God's family. There's a word there, family. Maybe you're sitting in your assigned seat this morning. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because you're sitting in it right now. You're sitting in your assigned seat. It's the one that if you got up and went to the bathroom, there'd still be an indentation of your butt like in the seat. Maybe you're sitting there this morning, and you feel as comfortable sitting in it in this exploring faith environment as you would sitting on your couch watching the Seahawks preseason game, right? You're comfortable here. That's great. That's awesome. We love to hear that. But we don't want you to just feel comfortable 
in this building, this boat of a building. We want you to, that comfort to extend past what's happening here on Sundays and into community with others because church isn't this building, it's the people. On the other hand, maybe you've never felt like you've belonged anywhere before. Maybe you've never known the blessing of being part of something as amazing and transformative and as awesome as God's family. We want you to discover that. We want you to know that, to discover community and experience it for yourself. So no matter where you find yourself on the spectrum this morning, this talk hopefully is for you, an encouragement for you, that we long for this for you, to be community-ers. I'm inventing another word. So I want to share with you something that Solomon wrote about in the Old Testament. Solomon is the son of King David. He was the next in line, so he was King Solomon. And Solomon was known as the wisest dude of all time. He's a wise guy. And when someone is the wisest, we should probably listen to at least what they have to say, because they're the wisest. And he writes some things about the benefit of community in Ecclesiastes that I want to share with you this morning. Ecclesiastes 4, we read, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three stands is not easily broken. Now, often when we read these words, we think of the context of marriage, what I think is a natural progression. My wife Summer and I usually play this game. Well, I play the game. Whenever we go to weddings, I try to analyze whoever's performing the wedding, and I'm guessing which scripture they're going to use at the wedding, because you only have usually three to pick from. This one is one of them, and so it's a fun game that I like to play by myself. <laughs> but we think context of marriage when we read this, because it makes sense. There's parallels. We can draw stuff out of it. But when I think Solomon was writing this, he was writing it to a broader audience. He wanted it to engage more people. It was written toward just regular, everyday people. People learning how to survive in their context and their world. Right? It's for people just dealing with life. Whether they're old or young, married or not married, this can apply to you too. He wants us to understand that friendships are a good investment. Now, the best investment you will ever make will not be a financial one. It won't be in your 401k. It won't be in your retirement plan. It will be in those people around you, in your relationships, in your friends, and in your family. As we go through life, there are two things that we can invest our time in, that we can try to accumulate. That's either stuff, right, stuff, money, or people. One or two options. The late Malcolm Forbes, who's Mr. Forbes magazine, you've probably heard this quote, was quoted as saying, he who dies with the most toys win, wins. Have you heard that before? Yeah. And I think, not to make fun of a guy who has since passed, because I wouldn't want to do that, but however, since Mr. Forbes has passed away, I believe he realized that not to be true. If we spend all of our lives trying to accumulate stuff and money and things, we find that our life is not any more joyful, happy, satisfied. We will never feel truly fulfilled because life happens and life is enhanced through relationships. So let's take a look at this passage this morning, try to draw three benefits of 
community-ing. I'm going to mess that up, so I'm going to keep trying to say that right. First, the benefit of having this church community is it provides strength. In Solomon's unparalleled wisdom, he says two are better than one. Now, I don't think you have to be the wisest person of all time to understand that. The two are better than one. But Solomon describes for us this principle that has stood the test of time, that applies to all times, all eras, all people groups, all languages of all time, that there is strength in numbers. Growing up, I was a fan of Snoopy. That was a weird transition, I know. (laughs) Growing up, I was a fan of Snoopy and the Peanuts cartoon and Charles Schultz because my fourth grade teacher at Graham Elementary, I'm a proud Graham Grizzly, uh, my fourth grade teacher, Miss Sturbins, was friends with Charles Schultz, which was awesome. So as kids, we used to write him letters, and I don't think it was like Santa Claus, but he would write, write us back, and he would like, do different cartoons for us, just for us, which is really rad. And so I was a fan of Snoopy, and I remember at Christmas asking for like a Snoopy book, and I don't know why, Peanuts, cartoons, whatever. But there's one Peanuts cartoon that I think applies to this strength in numbers scenario. And it's a a dialogue between, see how I use that word there? It's a dialogue between Lucy and Linus, her younger brother. And Linus was in the living room watching TV, and Lucy comes in and demands for Linus to change the channel. And Lucy says, or Linus says, what makes you think that I'm going to change the channel for you? And Lucy says, these five fingers, individually they're nothing, but when I curl them together like this in a single unit, a form of weapon terrible to behold, or whatever. And so Linus is afraid of his older sister, and so he cowers, and he changes the channels, and he walks out looking at his hands saying, why can't you guys get organized like that? <laughs> I was afraid of putting that joke in because I thought it might be really cheesy, so thank you for laughing. I'll still turn up the volume of that on the podcast so it comes across as even better. And my older sister is actually in here this morning. I'm not going to embarrass her, but this is how she treated me growing up until, <laughs> until I was 25. And <laughs> That's the power of teamwork, right? There's strength in numbers. But it's not only strength because there's more of us. There's strength because when people know us and when people love us, it creates a better us, a stronger us. There's strength in the bond of being known and being loved. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And there's a basic prerequisite here, right, to being loved, is you have to know someone to love them. And you have to spend time with someone to know them. Community groups are one of the best ways to form this kind of close intimate, real connection that allows us to obey this command of Jesus to love each other. Maybe there's been times in your life where you've felt that isolation and that loneliness that about half of Americans do feel. Let me ask you a pointed question. I mean, what have you done to cultivate these types of relationships in your life? Have you done something? The point of community groups is to have an opportunity to know one another, and to be known. Community-ing is one of the ways that can keep ourselves as Christians from getting burnt out in our faith because we have that strength in numbers. You'll get an opportunity to be encouraged. You'll 
get an opportunity to be prayed for and pray for others. You'll learn how to encourage one another to share hopes and dreams, strength and weaknesses, personalities, all those great things. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons why people don't join a community group, because of those awesome things. Many of us have a hard time opening up and being real with one another. We don't want to share our struggles because we don't want people to know that we don't have things all together. But let me let you in on a revelation. We already know you don't have it all together. Because none of us have it all together, right? None of us do. That's why we need one another. That's why we need real relationships, not these surfacey, only talking about Seahawks and nothing deeper than that, relationships. Real, deep relationships, friendships. And that's one of the things that I think I appreciate most about our church and our congregation and our staff is that for the most part, we don't have these super Christians pretending to be something that they're not. I can speak for Pastor John. The Pastor John that you see on Sunday morning is the exact same Pastor John that I see Monday through Saturday when I'm here at work. We have some great people at Canyon Ridge, but we don't have anyone who is perfect. And no one expects you to be perfect either. We're all sinners saved by God's grace through Jesus Christ. We're all on an equal playing field. The ground is even at this church, and it's even in community groups. So be known. Be loved. But you can't love someone unless you know them, and the reverse is true. No one can love you unless they know you and can spend time with you. There's strength in two because two is better than one. Loving one another is a command of Jesus. And when people know us and love us and invest in us, it creates a better us and a stronger us. That's number one. Number two, belonging to a church community provides support. Again, King Solomon put it this way. Two are better than one because if one falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, it's too bad. It's lame because there's no one to help him up. I always picture a very sad turtle for some reason when I read this. Like on his shell with his stubby arms and legs and not being able to flip back over. It's very sad. I talked last week about expecting adversity. How we will all at one point or another or maybe many points throughout our life face troubling times, face trials, face adverse situations. Because Jesus promised that we would. He said, in this world you will have trouble. But what did he say next? Take heart, right? Because I have overcome the world. Jesus is all about helping people up. Helping get people back on their feet again. Restoring them, redeeming them, putting them back on the right track. I think about when Peter was walking on the water. And it began to sink like a rock. It was Jesus who was there. Reached out his hand and his arm. Pulled Peter up. Put him back in the boat safe again. When a woman was caught in adultery and was dragged out in front of all the townspeople to be publicly humiliated, Jesus could have thrown the first stone. But instead, he reaches out his hand and his arm helps her back up, restores her, refreshes her, gives her a fresh start. This is what we're supposed to do for one another. Jesus was modeling this to each of us. We're to provide support for each other in difficult times. How many of you guys have seen the movie 42? Some of you. I talk about Goldbergs. All right, so three out of 90. What's that percentage? Let me tell you about the movie 42. The movie 42 is about Jackie Robinson, 
And it's called 42 because he wore the number 42. So that's important to know where the title comes from. Well, this movie about Jackie Robinson, who was the first African-American to play Major League Baseball. And while breaking baseball's color barrier, Jackie had to endure some great adverse situations, trials. People made threats on his life, threat on his family's life, racial slurs, just horrible things being said at the height of segregation, all the stuff that Jackie had to endure. And there was one game in particular that was highlighted in the movie where Jackie's playing second base in Brooklyn. He played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. In front of his home crowd, people that are supposed to support him, right? Be there for him, 12th man or whatever. And Jackie commits an error playing second base. Now his own fans turn their back on Jackie, start cussing at him, booing him, calling him all these racial names, this terrible situation. It was at that moment that the shortstop, a white guy by the name of Pee Wee Reese, walks over, puts his arm around Jackie, showing his support, and dead stares down the crowd as it soon gets quieter and quieter down to a silence. No one is saying anything. And Jackie was later quoted as saying that that arm around his shoulder saved his career and enabled him to be this iconic, historic, just someone that we all look up to today. Standing with our brothers and sisters and support in the time of adversity can make a world of difference for each of us. So that when we face adversity, which we're all going to do, because Jesus said, we don't have to face it alone. But instead we have the support of people who know us, people that love us, will encourage us, pray for us, stand by our side, put their arm around our shoulder, and stand in support. Finally, number three, community in provides spiritual warmth. Two people are better than one, for two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? While this is practical advice for nomadic people living in the frozen tundra of Antarctica, or those on the reality TV shows on the Discovery Channel, right? there's also... A spiritual metaphor here that we can draw from, which of course I will talk about. As a disconnected Christian, we too can feel cold and alone if we're separated. Anytime that we're separated from the body, separated from the family, we can begin to backtrack or die. Not to get too gross, but if I took some scissors and cut my finger off, and it was laying there on the ground, it would not survive unless I reattached it to the body, right? We need to be part connected to live. A separated person, their spirit can grow cold and alone if it's isolated. Something I think is important to point out and for all of us to understand, I mean, it makes sense, but I'll just state it. As Christians, we are in the greatest danger when we're isolated, when we're separated from the church, when we're not connected to the church, we're in the most danger. The writer of Hebrews wrote this, they wrote, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. When you first gave your heart to Jesus, began a relationship with God, he placed within you this passion, this fire, this longing for him, this desire to know him. 
So when we meet together as a church on Sunday mornings, we stir one another up toward love and good works. The warmth you feel in your chest as we worship together, or maybe when someone talks about faith, that's your coals being stirred. That's your passion for Jesus, your love for God being rekindled. When we meet together in community groups throughout the week, that's us having an opportunity to stir one another up toward love and toward good works. Belonging to a church community that you pray with, support, and encourage, fans the flame, keeps you spiritually warm, grows your passion for God and for this world, for each other. Now, understand, it takes energy, it takes effort to belong to such a group. And there's a little bit of risk involved, right? You're saying you're willing to take on and support some other people and their issues. And you may have to be transparent and share some of your own struggles. And there's a temptation for us, I think, especially especially in our American culture, to be these rugged individuals, to try to prove that we could do it alone. Like we're strong enough by ourselves. It's the Lone Ranger Christian mentality. But that's not God's design for us. That's not his hope for us. From the very beginning, we're designed for these relationships. We need input from other Christians to stay on track, to be strengthened, to be supported, to be stirred up toward love and good works. So here's the invitation, right? You guys all saw this coming. This is coming from the beginning. We're launching our fall community groups coming up in four weeks, launching the week of September 13th. And again, this is how we do community here at Canyon Ridge. It's a chance for you to connect to a group of people who want to know you and love you and encourage you and support you and strengthen you. All these great things. And there's a, there's a handout on your seat. Go ahead and grab it. Take a look at it. On the back, it's all the places, times, leaders. There's a nice map of locations. So if you're wondering what one's closest to your house, you can track it there on the map. And I'm inviting you guys not to necessarily sign up right now on the back of your connection card. Though if you wanted to, that would be great. You could sign up for a group on the back of your connection card. There's limited spots per group. If you want to secure yours, awesome. But what I am inviting you to this morning is to think about it. Okay, Think about it. Pray about it. Ask for God to reveal these things to you as truth. Check with your spouse. See what's available for your time schedule. Because we need to be in community. I know it's easy to fall back on the excuse that we're too busy, right? It's too busy. My life is too hectic. I got work, and I got soccer practice, and I got to go grocery shopping, and I got to do all these things. In reality, community groups are one and a half hours a week. 1.5. I did some math, figured out there's 168 hours available to you in a week. So if you took 1.5, divided that by 168, you come up with 0.89%. Not 89% or 8 or 9%. 0.89%. That's less of 1% of your week being involved in this community for these reasons that I talked about. Because again, we're better together. We're created for one another. I'll end with this. In the entire Bible, it's a story of God creating a family, building a family that will support, strengthen, and stir one another up. And he created each of you, every one of you, to be part of that family. He knew 
that everyone needs a place to belong. And so he calls us not just to believe, but also to belong to this family.